Hello and welcome to Pals Pools. This is the weekly Comics Pals show where we talk about comics. Three of us on hand right now. Marco's going to be joining in a little bit. We've got Kale. What's up, hot dogs? Tyler, of course, is here. I could really go for a hot dog right now. That sounds pretty good. Okay. And Sean is also here. Hi. Damn. He's going to leave me like that? I have a whole thing every week. So I went to this baseball game. Oh, you did? You went to American baseball. And the hot dogs. Have you guys been to Chicago for a hot dog? I know what a Chicago dog is like, if that's what you're asking. It's not right. <laughs> Are you anti that, that's Chicago the end, dogs? That's the end of that story. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about the Chicago oh. dog. <laughs> okay. Uh... So, yeah, we've got five books. We've I mean, got uh, five. <laughs> we've got uh, X-Men Before the Fall, Heralds of Apocalypse, number one. The Return of the Big A. We've got Amazing Spider-Man, number 28. We've got, uh, I don't even know the full name of this book because I got the variant that doesn't say it. But uh, uh, It's the... Oddly, oh shit! I thought I had it. <laughs> Odd, the oddly pedestrian life of Christopher Chaos. There we go. I thought it was the odd life of Timothy Green, but that's something else. Who's Timothy Green? Anyway, um, Action Comics number ten fifty six, and World Tree number three. So some pretty good books on tap today. Uh, let us know what you picked up. What what uh, what pulls what pulls. Uh, did you guys make this week? Sound off in the chat as we get started talking about our first book before the fall, Heralds of Apocalypse, number one. Uh, this is a part of a series of before the fall one shots that Marvel is putting out. Uh, these are leading in X-Men, the fall, the uh, I don't know, the header. I don't, I don't even know what it is. Fall like, of X. News, fall yeah, of the X. fall of X. Yeah. The new status quo. Uh, this is by Al Ewing, of course, with art by Luca Pizzari, Stefano Landini, and Raphael Pimento, uh, CC Dela Cruz on colors, and Travis Lanham on the letters. We haven't seen the Big A in a long time. It's been quite a while since, uh, he dipped, uh, uh right at the end of Ten of Swords, him and his wife. Do they, you remember uh, why? He just... Yeah. Because uh, she was like, hey, she was like, hey, uh, you need to come be home and be a family man. Leave uh, all this. He got you called. Know. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Uh, he was like, all right, well, you know, sure. Listen, there's one thing I've learned. The wife says, come home. You say, yes, ma'am. Yeah. Um, I will say right out the gate that I think Apocalypse has been a, one of the most compelling Marvel characters over the last four years. Yeah. Um, and a, much of that is due to the writing of Hickman, who wrote him pretty much exclusively, him and Teeny Howard. And so, of course, they, they both were the ones to, to send the character off. So Al Ewing is at bat with Apocalypse, and I think he did just as good a job as we would expect from Hickman um, in terms of really really great apocalypse like dialogue okay does that mean you liked it i did like it yes okay i thought you were you were saying that in a way it's like i'm saying something good because i 
didn't like it. Okay. All right. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, okay. I liked it. Got it, got it, got it. I also really liked it. Uh, pick of the week for me. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I don't know what happened to me. Because um, I... And I've, I've had this issue on the show. I've talked about this. This happens when I read comics sometimes. I fell asleep constantly during this book. <laughs> mm. um, it was just very slow for me. Um, I can... This is not a, a I'm tired read. Um, yeah. You, I needed something to, to wait. I, sh- I probably should have read World Tree before this. That's the order I read these two in uh, after work. Um, but, yeah, I just – it was a lot of – Apocalypse is a talky fellow now. You know, that's who he is now. He's very in, uh, introspective. He likes to think. Um, the philosopher. He's a philosopher. He's a philosopher, yeah, yeah. And, and that's part of the question here, you know? Like, this guy was Apocalypse. He was the end of all things. And, like, what does he become? So, like, that question is kind of brought up here. Um, Revelation. Yeah. I've, I kind of was a little confused on the on the timing of when things were happening a bit. Yeah. I think that's, I understood it by the end. That's my complaint, I think, about this book, is that the, the stuff that that seems to happen in the past isn't always so clearly demarcated. Yeah. I wasn't sure how far in the past it was. I was confused as like, all right, is it the past from what the present is considered now? Yeah. Um, but still within that time period of when Apocalypse left? Or is it before that? And, and it was before that, right? This is like the before so, everything. So, so we're, we're seeing... Like three timelines, pretty much, or not three timelines, but three time. Frames. Yeah, yeah, I stuff what you're stepping Um, one of them is the present. It appears as though Genesis wants to invade, uh, Krakoa. Um, and that's they're, why they're dueling. Yes, because right. Apocalypse does not want to open the gate. He doesn't right. want to let her do that. Uh, we're seeing the time. Before, uh, before uh, Ten of Swords and everything else, whenever these two, uh, whenever she, um, <sighs> this is such a complicated comic book. So when they first have yeah. their 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 children, that's another time or time frame when the children right. are are born, uh, and then there's also the one. When they're in the when they are just about ending the war with the Amenfi people, I think <laughs> the first time because there were two the 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 crux idea at least that I got out of this outside of the fact that Apocalypse doesn't want to open the gate is that Genesis there was a she has a big lie there's something that she lied about mm. and there's something that Apocalypse lied about they both have lied to each other. In major ways. Typical couple. Her lie is that she could have stopped the invasion of the Amenthi people. After they had initially beaten them back, it was possible, was offered to her by the Annihilation Helm to close the gate. That would have stopped the war. But she didn't choose that because her philosophy is survival of the fittest until the end of time. And that you need a fight, you need a war to strengthen yourself, and that there is nothing without them, which is clearly the mantra of the Iraqi people. We've seen this play out a lot in X-Men Red and everything else. 
So this is how they all feel. Apocalypse doesn't agree. He believes survival of the fittest, and then we hold this. We hold the line here. Turn your swords into plowshares. Right. I think that's a very, very interesting con- uh, uh, concept. Um, I love this issue. I thought it was phenomenal. I have a lot to say about it, but um, you guys talked about being confused. How much did that impact Tyler? For Well, Tyler, you already said you fell asleep. Um, <laughs> how much did that impact for you, Kale, the reading experience? Did that, because it was your pick of the week, but how much did it hamper you? Uh, I don't think it hampered me a lot. Um, I did sort of have to really plow through it um, while I was eating, but I, it didn't hamper me that much because I think it was all just also so engaging. Let me just stop you real quick that Marco is joining us. Okay, so Marco I'll switch, is I'll switch, on uh, the way in. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Marco is joining. He'll say his welcomes whenever he's in. Kale, continue. So. Uh, yeah, it didn't. Um, it didn't. It, it didn't hamper me. I, I don't. I don't feel like it hampered me. It was confusing and it was jarring, and I was kind of trying to put the pieces together. And I, I think I picked up the little hints, but it wasn't that big a deal. Marco, welcome. Signed off and signing back on. Hello. It's the life. Uh, Marco, what do you think about Before the Fall, Heralds of Apocalypse, number one? Oh, book of the week. All right. Um, Is that three? Okay. Is that three? I, okay, I figured yeah. it was going to get, I figured it was going to be popular. <laughs> um, I, I love a good apocalypse story, and I think, or A, whatever. Um, I think what... Uh, is Ewing. I love um, it. Does that dolphin sound from SpongeBob? <laughs> the what? When SpongeBob swears, they do a dolphin sound. Oh. Um, he's, he's too young for that, Kel. The tremendous uh, episode. I like how no one is letting Marco talk right now. So <laughs> you show up late. That's what you get. You get yeah. to plow it over. Hey, fair enough. Hey, know? whoa! I'll show up late next time. <laughs> <laughs> exciting night um it, it was it was just a lot of fun i think they uh ewing does takes you through uh just a really good story and i think he's eloquent with the way that he characterizes apocalypse and in particular those are the moments where even during the x-men run Hoxpox, those are the standouts whereas oh apocalypse is speaking hold on a second he's gonna say some cool shit and even when it's like not cool shit it's relevant to the story it carries weight because of who the character is. Um, I had a blast. So much fun on that one. I, I did like, I'll talk about things I like. Cause I, I didn't hate it. I thought it was, it was fine, but I just wasn't tickling my fancy the most. Uh, I did like the, the guy at the beginning. He, he kind of get books. He bookends the story that we think yeah. gets killed right away. The demon. And he yeah. doesn't some demon that like, it's like apocalypse's pet, you know, at this point, um, Ewing is real good at injecting, goof goofy things into these real heady stories that i enjoy because it kind of evens the feel of things out uh, and i appreciate ewing for that and i i think he and this could also be you know credit to um uh luca pizzari i think Which, whoever uh, you know did that section uh the artist oh yeah, yeah getting yeah. at Yep. Um, it could be credit to to them as well, um, 
the way they they use the paneling uh, for those moments is exceptional because it happens right on a page turn just as like the serious stuff really happens and it like sort of catches you off guard for the emotion and then dips you right back into the important stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's stellar. Um, let me tackle this question. We just got uh, the, from the Netta. Welcome. Thank you for joining. Uh, they say, is this story of a, is this the story of apocalypse when he was first mutant, like apocalypse origin story? Not quite, but also kind of. So Apocalypse is a character whose history is sort of being written now um, in the sense that we're learning about his wife. We're learning about more of his values. I think since Hickman took over, um, we started to learn a lot more about a character who was defined really by one statement, which is survival of the fittest. Um, and we're now we're learning so much more about that. So this is an aspect of his origin story, but it's mostly about his relationship to his wife his relationship to two different worlds of people um, and two different philosophies at play. So it's really a fascinating examination of all three of those things. And I think if you're an apocalypse fan on any level, you should buy this. So hopefully that answers your question. Um, let's, let's tackle the art a little bit more. Um, Kale opened that conversation up. There were three artists on this book and that was a little jarring for me uh, throughout actually. Hmm. because in the opening sequence i wasn't a big fan of the apocalypse that we got uh, i thought the head was a little bit small um so i i didn't i didn't love i get that the way apocalypse looked the facial expressions to me were a little off as well um but once we got into i guess it would have been um stefano landini then i started to like have more fun and enjoy the art i thought the colors were really great um, and things just got better and better, I thought, from there, from an artistic standpoint. The big standout piece for me was the conversation that Genesis has with the Annihilation Helm. Yeah. Just so, come on, is this how how goofy, like, sci-fi, like, comics, comics is it for a character to be standing talking to a massive head, you know? Yeah. It just looks amazing. I always felt that crown looked a lot like the crown of uh, serpents that's in uh, Secret Warriors. Yeah. Almost yeah, suspiciously because that's both Hickman, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you mean but, the way Xavier's helmet looks exactly like the Masters because they're the same person? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That sounds right. Sean, I think the, I think the issue, I think, was with Apocalypse's head because I noticed it too. Wasn't his head but the inconsistency of his collar uh, size? Yeah. I think that was that's what a, was throwing yeah. me off. Because even in the two, right. yeah, because Kale pulled out the the pages he wanted to, to show off th- this week, and in those two pages, the collar size is drastically different, which makes his head look different. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're right. I can already see it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just a weird, a weird little thing. But his, his mouth got a little duck bill going. He's always got duck lips. Yeah. going on. Yeah, he's got duck face constantly. <laughs> I wish there was one of those apocalypse selfie variants. Oh no, that was DC. That was DC. Okay. I. I didn't feel the distinction in art too, too bad. I noticed it, but it wasn't like something that uh, took away from the book uh, for me. But uh, in the moments where it shined, I think there were definitely there were definitely artists that I think handled the scenes and characters a bit better. Um, but overall, I thought 
it's relatively all well done. Yeah. Let me uh, let me tackle a little bit of the dialogue because I think we probably all agree the dialogue here. I'm trying to stay awake. Stellar, right? It's like I, I don't know if poetry is the right word. Certainly not, I guess, but it has a poetic aspect to it, which I think Apocalypse kind of always brings. Um, and, and writers, you know, really enjoy bringing that kind of flavor um, to the character. So, you know, he's asked by this little demon mongrel, um, you know, what is, what does he say? What is strength? Tell me what strength is, which is an incredible question. And who, who better to ask that than Apocalypse? Um, but he chides him for using that name, which I thought was kind of, you know, cool, because that's just not the name anymore. But Apocalypse goes, if the strong survive, then the measure of strength is survival. But understand, survival has no moral component. Heroes die. Brave hearts break. Paradise is lost. Consider a rock battered by the ocean for a million years. It is worn, but whole. Is a rock noble? Can a rock be moral? A rock is there, as I was there. Yeah, dude. And this is the revelation as it was revealed to me. It is not enough to only be there. It is not enough to only be strong. I think if you're wondering what Apocalypse thinks in a post-Hoxpox world, that sequence describes exactly what he thinks. Hmm. Now, the call is to be more than present. The calls to be more than strong. The mutants have been strong. They're strong. They have strength. They've survived. They need more. Right, exactly. And he's happy, in my mind, right? He is happy with Krakoa. Not necessarily what's happened since he left, but the way Krakoa was before he left, that is what mutants are supposed to have. That's why he went. Yep, that's exactly what he wanted. The whole exactly, time. right. And Genesis thinks that that is an example of weakness. The blade gets dulled, right? If it is not continually sharpened, if it does not continue to hit a thing, the you lose touch. And I think that's, I, I like that that was like the philosophical differences between the two was, well, you cannot have peace because then you will get attacked, which is the irony versus, well, we cannot continue to battle because then we will never have peace. And, right. and, and that is the, that, that ideology, that difference in ideology um, gets laid out at the very beginning because in response she has her own ideas on strength, um, and even when they're raising the kids, like naming the children, famine, mm. war, pestilence, and death, there's not tension, but there's even a difference in like the reason why those names fit those people. Not because for for apocalypse, it is because these are these are words that will no longer need to be used in language because we have overcome. Whereas uh, Genesis is. She's getting ready for it. She's getting ready for the thing. She's getting ready for the war. She's hungry for it. And to add to that, well said, Marco. She's not just getting herself ready. She's getting her children ready. That's passing on. She passed on those qualities to her children unnecessarily. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, is villainous. I have definitely turned the corner on Genesis uh, with this issue, feeling that she is not good. Because she caused all the strife that the Iraqi people went through. She's the reason why the 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 uh, the island needed to be severed in the first place. Because she let them come. She let the Amenti come. 
that is evil. She, she sentenced her children to a lifetime, however long their lives will be, of pain and having to dish it out and take it. And the Iraqi people, look at how much they've suffered. It's all her fault. Anytime you say Iraqi, I'm like, what's, what's, what happens? What's going on in Iraq? What? Oh <laughs> we do it again? <laughs> Damn it. Dan Trudeau says it's literally a fascist point of view, and I agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. A, a, a need for perpetual war state. Look at, you know, I, I don't want to get into like a whole conversation about the military industrial complex, right? But like, it's, it's Marvel Comics, you can't. Endlessly producing <laughs> weapons of war yep. for the future. Yep. What the hell is that? Why don't you work towards peace? Fucking Captain America, Winter Soldier. Right. What the whole movie is about. Mm -hmm. So anyway, uh, I thought this was a brilliant comic book. And uh, I can't wait to see what's going to happen next. This is, this is what I needed to see to get excited about X-Men comics. Well, next week you'll be disappointed again, so don't worry. <laughs> You're probably right. This is good shit. We'll talk about my pals poll later, yeah. Were you the only one that this was in uh, your poll? It or wasn't. Rather, um, no, it wasn't. Book of Week, yeah. Okay. Yeah, let us know in the comments uh, what your pick of the week is. If it wasn't X-Men before the fall, the, before the fall excuse me. Um, if, the, if it wasn't that, let us know. Um, this book clearly worked for us. If you are looking for a good Apocalypse story, a good X-Men story, just a good Marvel comic, I think you can buy this even without too much knowledge of what has happened and you'll land on your feet decently. Um, yeah. Has, uh, you'll get, you'll, you'll see that cool stuff happens. Right. Has a uh, Ewing beyond X-Men red, has he jumped on any other titles? So he had uh sword, which was right. what X-Men red ended up becoming. Yeah. yeah. And I believe, Tyler, correct me if I'm wrong, that those are the only two books that Al so. has had. I believe so. He's coming out with the next, the new book coming out, but it's not X-Men related. It's like a Vision Wasp book coming out. Right. But, yeah. I I like his voice on these characters. I I kind of I, I would want to see more. Hey, if you like our voices, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We appreciate you. If you're watching this live on YouTube, if you're watching this later on YouTube, leave us a like. We appreciate the likes. Uh, they help us out a lot. It's a great way to contribute at no cost. Uh, if you want to contribute and support, you can do that on patreon.com slash thecomicspals, where we are always giving you some bang for your buck. We've got a newsletter that goes out every single week, a little slice of each one of our lives, or well, one of our lives each week. Uh, Kale had his newsletter out this particular week, and uh, why don't you give the listeners a quick summation of that? Ooh, so in the 90s and early aughts, uh, Wizard Magazine used to be the uh, the hot... Well, they were the comics pals of their day, I think you could say. Uh, <laughs> they used to do uh, fan casts of, uh, you know, what superhero movies would do. Um, and so I got the wild idea to do one, and I did uh, the 2011 Flash movie. Hmm. Uh, now you, you may be thinking, no, wait a minute. There wasn't a flash movie in 2011, uh, but there should have been, <laughs> they did green lantern instead. Got you know, me. I'm glad you said that kill because 
a little known fact. I saw a conversation happening on the Discord server this week, which you guys should join, by the way. Our Discord is awesome, and it's full of amazing people. But uh, someone had talked about the idea that, uh, like, why was Barry Allen resurrected? Hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah, we've been talking um, about that a lot recently. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's weird to say this now, but it is definitely true, according to Dan Didio, that it, that was a mandate that they were given to resurrect Barry Allen because they wanted to make a Flash movie with Barry Allen in it. And so Flash Didio said that. Yeah, Didio said that. Yeah, in, wow, in a recent yeah, interview. I think we were floating around that Didio was the person that wanted Barry. He probably did, but they were also told to do it um, yeah. because they wanted to make a Barry movie. I think that was yes. in the uh, near mint condition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Collectibles uh, Sean, do you mind if I uh, do one thing real quick? Um, yeah. So we're live on TikTok, and I just wanted to shout out a couple people. Bo Jangle said, love your guys' podcast and TikTok Thank vids. You. Keep up the great work. King T'Challa himself uh, oh. said, really enjoy your podcast and lives. Yo. I really enjoy my life. Okay, I appreciate that. Thanks so much. And then Smudge88, hi, pals. Keep up the fantastic work as always. Thank you. Rare, rare TikTok kindness. Who knew? <laughs> Don't jinx it, Sean. Don't jinx it. You're right. You're right. Uh, there'll, it's still, it's still a, a, wretched, a wretched hive of scum and villainy, but right now they're doing okay. There will be a slur in there in 20 minutes flat. We know that. <laughs> I think auto moderation is um, good with the slurs. Okay. Oh, thank goodness. Um, the ones we know about anyway. Right. Somebody so anyway, yeah. uh, not that, that not that any of the prior conversation had anything to do with our Patreon page. Well, Kale's part did. But again, patreon.com slash the comics pals. We've got a lot of good stuff over there. Head on over and check it out if you're so inclined. We appreciate everybody that does. If you want to watch this show live, you can do so every single Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern. Saturdays at 10 p- 10.15 a.m. Eastern for the main show. This week, we will have a very special guest. We will be joined by Clementine's Tilly Walden. We are very excited to speak to Tilly. Um, in doing a little bit of research, I found that there are not a ton of Tilly Walden interviews and so I think that we will be able to get a, a really good one. I think if you are curious about Tilly, you want to know about her life, about her stories and why she tells the stories she does, I think we'll, we will be able to get those answers. Um, and there aren't a lot of people who have them. So if you're interested in hearing that conversation, definitely show up this Saturday. Should be a lot of fun. You jinxed it, Sean. TikTok, Henry, I'm here to deliver on that jinx. Time to slur it up. Thanks, Henry. (laughs) Amazing. Appreciate you, Henry. Uh, Everything else at the... Oh, nope, nope. Tokyo Ghost, out. Our book club is out July 4th, this Tuesday. So uh, get your reread in if you haven't. Um, It's a great book. Great way to celebrate our our nation's uh, history by... Talking about Tokyo. Well, there's there's two ways we celebrate our nation's history. One of them is talking about Tokyo. And the other is celebrating Kale, whose birthday also happens to be July 4th. And uh, we should say thank you to Kale. Or thank you. Yes, thank you. Absolutely. For the contributions over many, many years. And a very happy early birthday to Kale. Happy birthday, mm-hmm. Kale. You're welcome for all of my service. I'm braver <laughs> than any military person. Oh, no. <laughs> Wow, I would take that back. No, um, I'll say it. No, Kel I'll say, say it. it. I'll he, stand by he, it. He 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 left the U.S. He's yeah, what do fully I care? a traitor. Fully a traitor. That's right. Yeah. Oh my goodness. 
Um, Dan Trudeau, speaking of speaking of services, offering his services, saying uh, he's available for an interview. I'll oh. have uh, I'll have our people talk to your people. Okay, let's talk about Amazing Spider-Man number twenty-eight. This Tangle is gang. by Zeb Wells, written by Zeb Wells, Sean's favorite art. writer. You know what? Rising in the ranks, certainly, uh, with art by Ed McGinnis, inks by Mark Farmer. Colors by Marcio Menez and letters by Joe Caramagda. I'm going to tell you something right now. Here we go. If it wasn't for the brilliance of Al Ewing's Apocalypse, this would have been my pick of the week. I have not had a good week in any way, shape, or form. But I enjoyed the hell out of this comic book, and it put a big old smile on my face. So thank you to Marvel. Thank you to the creative team for Amazing Spider-Man 28. This was a very, very enjoyable comic book. This is classic Spider-Man goodness. This is good old dumb comics. Uh, capital D, dumb. And I like that. It, yeah, it's like, it was just a good story. A fun beats. <laughs> Why like, are you questioning yep. this? <laughs> well, because I, for... I don't know. I, I, I read this after, I think, coming off of uh, Apocalypse. Same, I was just yeah. like in that heady space. And it came this, and I'm just like, this is digestible. This is easy. I'm going to plow through this. And the art's better? Easy. Art's not just Ed better. McGinnis. That's Ed McGinnis, man. That's that's elite. I yeah, love Ed McGinnis. No discredit to anybody else. But but did, did you guys see the um, uh, they have the variant cover artist listed, and Olivier Coipel is a Stormbreaker? Think? No, he's been, he's been nah. for a long time. He's a I'm young spinning. gun. Or wait, what? Spinning. What is he? What are the other ones? I think it's a young gun. Yeah, he, he's he's he is listed as a as a as a storm. Wait, no, oh, is he a stormbreaker? No, no, no. Elena Casagran and David oh. Curiel are the stormbreaker. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah My yeah, bad. Yeah. Okay. I missed. Coipel was a I, was he a young gun or was he, he might have been whatever it was before that? Oh, he was before the architects, I think. I'm pretty sure he was a young gun. I'll look it up. I'll fact check. I'll fact check. Yeah, please do while I while I uh, wax poetic about how good Amazing Spider-Man is every damn week. So one of the things I love about Spider-Man comics is all of his characters, right? Like all the supporting cast. And, you know, it changes and it evolves. But this week we got Norman. We got J. Jonah Jameson. We got Craven and Doc Ock. And Doc Ock is not a supporting character. Craven is not, they're not supporting Peter, but they're making this story interesting and exciting. These characters all have history. It's not just Peter and Norman that have history, for example. It's Norman and Doc Ock. It's Ock and J Jameson. It's Ock and Craven. That to me is really exciting. And it reminds me of older Spider Man stories where you see some of these relationships start to begin and here we are all these years later and they're still being paid off and every single character feels right except norman who's different now but even he still feels right like zeb wells is keyed the fuck in to me it feels like uh willem dafoe's norman before he makes the the turn yes in, in no way home it's like, like the guy you wish he was yeah but also at the same time like mm, he could switch at any moment yep absolutely um, can confirm August 2005, Olivier Coipel was a young gun. <laughs> wow. It's right about when I started reading comics. Yeah, yeah. I'm wearing there. Um, 
Yeah, and 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 there's a lot of fun interplay. Like I love how you know batshit this version of Doc Ock is. It's it doesn't feel like a parody. It feels like a lean in, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, a what? This oh, is, like, go ahead. This is definitely the guy that killed Peter Parker and took over his body and learned the lesson and then went, actually, fuck that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's his trajectory. And I love that. Uh, Otto is just Otto. Like, it, he, he even if he has a Peter moment, he's still Otto. Like, <laughs> it can't stop him from being that. And I think that uh, it w- it's really cool seeing his interaction with Norman in this because that was what drove Peter to come back right and ruined his run as superior so it's like he's still pissed off about that too so yeah uh, I, I had a lot of fun with this and also whoever designed his suit this new tentacle thing it's really cool yeah mm-hmm. the, the concept of it yeah is great yeah it's toyetic you know like yeah I'd buy one of those little octolings really <laughs> like sell that at Disneyland or whatever it's played well too. Like yeah. I think, I think it's utilized in interesting ways. Zebwell's thinking about how to present that compellingly. I like the sequence with Craven. It, it, you know, it kind of like jobs Craven out a little bit. But Doc Ock is is is, is elite. Even to me, in my mind, even among uh, Spider Man's villains, discounting this new tentacle set, Doc Ock is an elite level yeah. threat. So yeah. yeah, number two, easy. Right, if yeah. not I, number one. I accept him being able to outsmart or job out Craven. I'm cool with that. And I thought it was really funny when he enters the lobby of the building and he sends his little octoids off to terrorize everybody. And he's just walking in like his shit doesn't stink, which to me is totally, totally DACA. Yeah. Yeah. And even like the, the idea of the octolings is um, octol. Am I just saying the Splatoon? Octoloids. Octoloids. I think I might be getting a mix up with the Splatoon characters. Um, yeah, but it's it's a callback to Superior as well when he had all the the spiders, spider bots, yep. you know. Mm. So it's it's a good. It is an understandable logical conclusion to where he would be currently. Yeah, I think it's a subtle upgrade to his design too. Like yeah. uh, that that alone. Oh, I don't th- I don't think there's anything subtle about it. You don't think so? Like they didn't no. do like they didn't do you know oh he went from doc ock to doc squid or something you know what i mean like this was just they just added like little tentacle looking oh, things onto you, you know onto his uh uh devices like they, they could they could they're always somewhat autonomous and could do things but beyond splitting apart and now having the little green suctiony looking things there's not much too much upgraded to his look and I, I'm a big fan of, and this was one of the bigger problems that I had with Superior. I'm a big fan of Ock as just like a fat, smart dude. <laughs> like, for real. I think that's interesting. Why does every villain always have to be this super buff guy? No, this dude is a genius. His body, his physical body is not the threat. It's his mind and those tentacles. Yeah. He's too busy to eat well and 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 care about all that. He's, he's going to dominate the world. And with this kind of performance and this issue, he might just succeed. I thought this was a fantastic comic book. Yeah, I like this one a lot. And also, Ed McGinnis almost, almost makes that current Spider-Man suit look good. I was about to ask, has he always had the little yellow thing in the middle? For this run, he has. It's like a neon green sort of, yeah, I don't Stop making I, the spider light up. Just stop it. 
Well, but to what Marco's saying, though, I think it's coming across a lot more with Ed McGinnis. Sure. On yeah. Art. Yeah. It's a lot. It's popping. It's like he got the yeah, memo. Yeah. <laughs> I like right. the road better. I thought it, the, uh, the, where it, it had that green, the spider had that sort of green underlight mm. to like show that it's radioactive. <laughs> that ruled. Yeah, that was cool too. And, 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 you know, with Spider-Man, it's always like, um, every, every run, every few arcs, you're going to see something a little different. Yeah. Um, quick question though, actually, as an aside, uh, for those, cause you guys all read it digitally. Um, did the page where Ock goes to the, to the, uh, to the building, I forget where the Oscorp, or whatever. Did they look like this? Were the colors kind of like? Oh, yeah, uh, that, that looks like a printing error to me. Yeah, yeah. You gotta, yeah. Huh. It almost looks no, washed yeah, out, mine right? My looks like great. reddish, almost. Yeah, of brown, it, right. I wish you got. If you were in person and you saw this, like it's very distinctly different and weird. That could just be like a specific to your issue as well. Yeah, maybe I have a uh, like a messed up copy. Yeah, looks <laughs> fine on my end digital same um both top lane and veneta calling you out sean bro is buff what you mean sean that's not fat that's muscle mm, i don't know i, mean, I see some pudge I mean, on that chin yeah but he power lifts bro he's like, Mino, he's like he, one of those guys he's basically yeah like doug mankey yeah he's Mino. he's uh he's otis from uh wwe that's how i view it minimal uh, he got a fat neck <laughs> you got the Edgar haircut know. too. I love it. Yeah, um, easy pull. Any other week, this is my pick of the week. This was awesome. Uh, if you like Spider-Man comics, and you you're, you're you're not you don't think Zeb Wells and Co. suck, which I think is a ridiculous point of view, but whatever. Um, if you if you don't feel that way, then I think you should buy this. Yeah, yeah. I guess pull it. It's not it. It's weird because I, I, I come in wanting to be positive and expecting a bit of like, oh, I'm not going to like this. I'm not going to whatever. But then it does a good job. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's good. Pull it. Uh, I'm not so hot on this one. <laughs> oh. Not that I have anything to argue with anything you're saying. It's, it's a Spider-Man book. They should pull it if you're look, if you're here. You're looking for a Spider-Man story. This is it. But you don't want to read the Dan Slot one going on right now. I'd like a I'd like a little more meat for a Spider-Man story in 2023, and this just isn't doing anything for me at the moment. I almost think- very I, that is that is to say that's not a knock against Zeb Wells because every uh, against every uh, criticism I've read. Uh, it's a very competent comic book. Like this dude knows what he's doing and he's doing it very well. And also I want to say criticizing or disliking the book, like Kale said, like not, it not being a cup of tea is not the same thing as saying the creative scene sucks, which I think is, a, you can't say that Zeb Wells is not talented. You can mm-hmm. say that this isn't for you. That's valid. Um, but this is a well-made Spider-Man comic. Let's uh, let's talk about the oddly pedestrian life of Christopher Chaos. All right, uh, move on to something uh, not so well made. Ooh. Oh, okay. okay. Head out the gate. Let's go, Kale. This is by James Tinian. Sorry. Except, 
It's really not. Yeah. Because it's only based on an idea by James Tinian, which I love so much, right? Not based on a story by, not based on a concept by, based on an idea. So in my mind, the dude was taking a shit, right? <laughs> the old Tom McFarlane method. <laughs> yeah, he's letting some chaos out of his bowels. And he's like, huh, what about Christopher Chaos? What about his life? What's that like? And then he called Tate Bromble on the phone and said, hey, what about Christopher Chaos? I don't know. Let's write about it. And then they got Isaac Goodhart to draw it. And Isaac's down for whatever. Tremendously talented. So good. So he jumped on board. Colors by Miguel Muerto. Letters by El, El Muerto himself? <laughs> is that where he went? That's cra- Yo, that's crazy. El Muerto. There, there, there he is. <laughs> Bad bunnies up here <laughs> dabbling into the actual books. He's filing in another comic. <laughs> of course, letters by the incomparable Aditya Bidikar. And so nice. this is the you know what? I don't have to go first. Kale, you said you didn't like it. Talk about it. I think uh I, uh, to be honest, I forgot that I read it hmm. until we brought it up when we uh, started the show. Not, not a good sign. Hmm. I felt like, uh, you know, you're saying this was Tinian's idea. I felt like this was a story being told to me instead of a story unfolding. It was, yeah. And that felt like a massive problem for me. It just didn't, it never gelled, you know, every, and, and maybe that's what uh, Tate Bromble was going for because that's, it is the narration style, but there's, it never sort of comes out of it to give you something. Uh, Thanks for the follow flame on Darian. Thank you. Appreciate you. Um, go ahead, Tyler. I, I actually think this is my pick of the week. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed the Isaac Goodhart art. Mm-hmm. That feels weird to say. I like the art by Isaac Goodhart. Also feels weird. Um, you uh, like I, Isaac I, Goodhart? I, exactly. Sure. Sure. Um, I like what I think is the premise of the book going forward. Um, I think the premise is uh, this is modern day Universal Monsters. Is what it feels like. We got, you know, the solicit for the next one in the, in the back mentions a Dracula coming up. Got to always be wary about those Draculas. Um, so we got werewolves. Dracula is essentially a Frankenstein, you know, and and uh, a Dr. Frankenstein. Um, so I, I, I'm a sucker for just classic monster concepts um, and putting that in essentially. This feels like <laughs> classic monsters meets Jennifer's body, except not as grating. Um mm-hmm. In a weird way. Um, so I'm excited for where it goes forward. I, I thought this was fine. Uh, uh, Tate Bromble um, worked on the other uh, House of Slaughter, the um, oh. the, the follow up or the side cool to um, what, what's that book everyone likes? Children. Something's Killing the Children, yeah. yeah. Um, so they, they have a, a working relationship. So I think they know what they're doing. Um, and honestly, like, like some of the pages, and I, and I pulled one out here, of when. Christopher Chaos has his hood up, and it's just glasses. 
I love that stuff. It's just, I love a little bit of like a cartoony injection to what's otherwise a semi-realistic story. Um, yeah, I had fun with this. So this was fun. Also, I just like a nice pet companion too. Throw that in there. Needs a familiar. Uh, sort of, yeah. <laughs> I feel like Tate Bromble is to James Tinian what James Tinian was to Scott Snyder. Could be, yeah. And that's cool. I love it when a writer has like a a um, an understudy, if you will, for lack of a better phrase. Um, we've seen that happen a lot. I like this quite a bit, except that I just felt like it was a long. It was a long book where the most interesting thing about it doesn't happen to the main character, in, in my opinion. Like, whenever he figures out his equation or what he's meant to do, eh, whatever. When the dude turns into a werewolf and gets blasted, that was that shocked the shit out of me. I didn't see it coming. I was legit surprised. And it was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and I felt something. And... That coupled with the art was enough to get me to the point where I would say this could be a pull. But the next issue is going to have to do a lot of heavy lifting because I actually didn't care much for anything that Christopher Chaos was going through. Yeah. And yeah, go ahead, Mark. I'm sorry. Um, uh, I think I, I felt very much the way Kale did in that the execution on just how the story is being told I just felt like he's talking at me um, and I never really got myself to ground myself somewhere. Um, and I think there were, there were fun executional moments, uh, especially I think largely carried with the, uh, with the art, mm -hmm. um, the panels and the way they break out the equations flying everywhere. Like, like those are fun visuals that keep me engaged. But when I had to read moments, yeah, like Tyler has a really good image up right now, just like a swirl, um, but when it came to for me to like try to build an emotional connection with Christopher, I don't know that it uh, I don't know that it landed. I didn't care. Like I didn't know why I needed to care. Like feels different. Sure, he's going through. Uh, he's going through that and likely going to be a you know, coming of age story. But um, I think the fact that I could feel all that, uh, I could just see the machinations sort of working. And and that once that happens, I don't think you're producing a, like a fun comic um, where even for something like Spider-Man, that was fun, paced out, but I never at any point saw Zeb Wills thinking. This felt like I, I could see Tate sort of thinking and like, oh, this is the thing to put in next. Yeah, to that end, the, um, you know, the, the sequence where, you know, Christopher's crush uh, turns into Teen Wolf, you know, and we get the mysterious ghosts or whatever. Why wasn't that the end? Word. That was, that good. was that, crazy. Yeah. Like the 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 come down from oh man, my boyfriend just turned into a fucking werewolf and got blasted by fucking Casper and his homies. To uh, so friendly. my best friend Pigeon just died. I guess I'll I guess I'll bring him back to life. Yo, but and then the whole and then the whole neighborhood shows up. And they're like, oh, well, we were all in bed, asshole. What was that? What? Yeah. 
That was what a is classic the... uh, villagers storming Frankenstein's lab. No, look, I get it. Yeah. I'm saying I'm saying it happened in the wrong order. I don't disagree. Like, I don't disagree. Yeah. Like the whole the whole front of the book builds up how weird Christopher is and how weird the world is to him. The pigeon thing should have been the moment where we really see how the world sees him. The problem is we get that at the end of the book instead of the, the teen wolf stuff, which is interesting, which is why we're here. I also think to Kale's point, the teen wolf aspect underscores and reveals to us, the reader, that he's not alone. Mm-hmm. That and yeah. that's that's the metaphor. He's gay and he feels alone in the world. And here's this other person who's also gay who you know it makes him feel like, oh wow, there's other people like me out there. That is the subtext. The text text is they're they're monsters, they're seen as monsters. And this dude gets killed, and that is a huge moment. The same at the same time he realizes he's not alone in the world, he loses the person who revealed that to him. Mm-hmm. That's where you stop. That's where you close. That's a hook. Do you guys feel he was also coded to be on the spectrum? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. that's what I was getting, and like how it feels to be, I guess, alienated from the world in that way as well. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Some neurodivergence. Mm-hmm. Um. That moment where the pigeon gets hit, I laughed out loud, <laughs> only because I thought it was a stupid moment. Like, you you built up the you built this thing up, and then it happens, and I'm like, why? Ha! Like, why? With well, you, it, I, go ahead. Please, please, you started. I I I thought that everything that happened that we were supposed to care about, with like the pigeon, was under undercut by, like a lack of a lack of dramatic commitment. And I wasn't sure how I was supposed to feel. Is this supposed to be sad? Am I supposed to laugh? I don't like to see animals die. So when I see a pigeon die, I don't like it. I didn't, I didn't have the laugh reaction, but then that happens. And his reaction is like, uh, he says, he goes super Saiyan. Like, (laughs) yeah, I was like, all right, so you're just going to resurrect your pigeon. Okay. You, you guys were also, Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, you guys all do bring up a good point where tonally, it's hard to pin down. Yeah. Um, like, it's a, little, I, it's a little goofy. I couldn't tell what I was supposed to feel because it, it really felt like the pigeon dying should have been a moment where the hope is taken away from him. Right. Okay. But yeah. he rebuilds it. Again, yeah. like, you know... If that had happened in the middle of the book, I think that would have really worked. It really would have shown us who he is and what he wants to do while also, like I said earlier, showing how the world reacts to him. And and I think even to that, if you had reordered it, right, now we have this example of him resurrecting something. Are we going to resurrect the boy? Like the the boy? Like it, we we get questions. We can sort of formulate questions based off of that now new tale end or that, ending. That boy I, got annihilated. Yeah, I also think <laughs> that that un, that would then ordering it that way would undercut him running away. Right. He needed to run away. 
Who ran away? Uh, Christopher. He runs away from the dead, you know, werewolf and all that. So, so, and I think, but I think that that speaks to what Marco said. Marco said, I could, I could see, or I'm sorry, maybe it was Kale, either one. I could see the gears turning. I could see where Tate was thinking. And I think that in the construction of the issue is where Tate maybe ran into some problems where it's like, like Kale said, this makes more sense as the end of the book, but we need this thing to happen before that narratively. And so it feels like, and that's why I pull this. I think there's a good, a great comic in the future of this. I don't know that this was the great comic. To me, this was the the solid comic. Really, it's 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 held up by stellar Isaac Goodhart art. Yeah, and a great moment in the middle. But I don't believe that this issue is the be all end all. I think the good is to come once we now that we're past this. Now that we got past the crazy long monologue, now that we got past some of the more rough edges, I think we'll we'll be in for a good book. Hopeful, yeah. I, I think I, I think I land somewhere uh, with you because the resurrection piece was interesting enough to be like, okay, well now it looks like this Frankenstein esque thing, and now we have this random character that got, that's going to get introduced probably next issue. Like, oh, all right, you know what? Fine, I'll I'll give you the I'll give you the chance. I I could see it, but um, I'll, I'll give you the pass. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd probably pull this and uh, be a little wary of issue two, but it, it would need to do the work. Sean, do you hope for some Buffy vibes coming up? Um, I definitely thought about Buffy yeah, during same. this. Yeah, you can't do Supernatural right. in high school and not make me think of Buffy. But you're always thinking about Buffy, so like, <laughs> did it True. give you the vibes, or was that just like, like a separate breathe? thing? Eat, sleep, Buffy. Yeah, you know that's a joke, but I, I, I definitely. Uh, oh, <laughs> I, I definitely did think of Buffy. I, uh, I often do when you're talking about a book that, you know, has LGBTQ, um, mm-hmm. you know, sort of ideas and characters. A book that features monsters. A book that features an offbeat, quirky kind of character like Christopher. Um, yeah, it's a pop culture cornerstone for the people that are writing comics right now. Um, and my last thing on uh, Isaac's art, I think he's uh, he's continued to grow over the past few years. And I think this is one of those examples where his art feels a lot more fluid, um, a bit more cartoony, I think. Um, no? Oh, thought it was fluid. I, I, think, I think there's a bit more like elasticity to it. I feel like sometimes he can be kind of, uh, he can be kind of stiff. And this is like a loosening up. What what do we know Isaac from? Um, I know Postal. Postal, Postal, yeah. Postal, yeah. Postal okay. uh, and the, book. Yep, exactly. Okay. Maybe I don't know his art as well as I thought I did, but I don't know if elastic and flexible are words I would use to describe this. I'm gonna art. I'm gonna back and, Marco and, up. Sorry, and that's not ahead. to say it's bad. That's sure. not to say I think it's bad. I, I did like the art quite a bit. I'm going to back Marco up just a bit and say that to me, having read Postal, I agree yes. that it is loose, looser than that. that. That's the comparison I'm making. Like, like There are moments where he uses straighter lines. I feel like there's a little bit more roundness. Um, I think he's grown, and, and this is an example of that. Hey, Postal was a long time ago. If my man hasn't grown in eight years, it's a problem. You know what I'm saying? I haven't. <laughs> 
Yo, oh, Postal would kind of be a cool book club. It's very long. I wanted to mm, so bad. Uh, we all enjoyed this issue to some degree. Uh, maybe we'll review it for the next one. We'll see about that. But uh, Christopher Chaos, you know, solid, decent. Let's talk about Action Comics 1056. This is the finale to the um, Metallo Cyborg Superman stuff uh, that we've been getting. Uh, this is, of course, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, who has been knocking it out of the park every single issue with Action Comics. Joined by Rafa Sandoval um, with Max Rayner on art. Matt Herms on colors and Dave Sharp on the letters. Um, I am a big fan of all the principal characters in this book. I think Cyborg Superman's cool. You guys have heard me talk about how much I love Metallo. And Superman's a swell guy as well, as it turns out. Um, I am still very, very into this. I think maybe some people might feel like this cooled off. Maybe it did. But to me, in this issue, there were some pretty great moments that everybody got to have that solidified for me why Philip Kennedy Johnson is the action comics writer. I almost said of the generation, I'll hesitate on that, but of the last 10 years, in my opinion. I do think this arc had some speed wobbles there, but I think it evened out and, and, and stuck the landing a bit. Um, did did we skip an issue? We didn't read the la the previous issue for the show. Oh, okay, we didn't. I was I wasn't sure because I read it, but I wasn't sure if it was on the poll. Read. Didn't win, but okay. yeah. Okay, all right. I wasn't sure if they really skipped something or if because it also fit with what I remembered too. Right. Because I didn't read the last issue. Nothing mm -hmm. that dramatic happened. Eradicator shows up and then they hunt down cyborg superman it's literally the most skippable of the issues yeah uh i was talking about the wizard fan cast uh for the eradicator they had fraser's brother uh david hyde pierce <laughs> as the eradicator and i was like what in 1998 how bad were the wizard fan cast oh they're awful dude <laughs> <laughs> they're fun that's why that's why, that's why I felt some. I was able to take some liberties about uh, I what I was Patreon. able to do. Um, anyway, my point was, I didn't feel like I missed a beat. It was more that I felt like uh, there was like a delay. I, I've I've been feeling that from um, PKJ's writing. Like it feels. It's this large story uh, and this arc, but he takes each episode of it and he really takes his time in each one. Like, I feel, uh, I feel as if, the, you know, another writer might have done the, the span of this in maybe five issues, six issues. This felt like it's taken so much, like, teasing out and planning, which I appreciate because that feels a bit more diligent on his end to, like, build up emotional stakes. Um, but the, I, I've been waiting for this for the past, I don't know, like three issues already. I'm like, yo, where are we? Let's get to it, dude. I'm having fun, but like, let's do the thing. This is, and this is one of my issues I had had with Last God and realizing I think this is like a 
something that he does with his writing. He just he likes to take his time to really get to someplace. It's all fun in the moment. War World too. But, yeah. Yeah, but for but for me it starts to affect it a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean it, it's very decompressed. Very, yes. very. It's decompressed without being um full of, you know, quippy dialogue and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a different form of decompression that I'm used to. Um I will say I, I did enjoy this. I liked it a lot. I liked reading a Metallo book, you know, <laughs> like and and like end oh, yeah. sentence there. But um and, and it's cool how they gave him some nuance. I think Superman's rogues deserve that. Um because honestly, out of all the big superheroes out there, Superman's rogues are the ones that are probably uh most deserving of screen time and, and fleshing out. Um, I know more about Professor Pig. I know more about Batman's, you know, B, C-list villains than I do about Superman's, you know, A-list villains. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I still don't really know why every super character needs to be in this. Like, Supergirl's in here. She says two words, you know. You have Keenan uh, in this. Um, Connor's there just to use his electricity powers. Like, To be fair... Uh, uh, Keenan at least has an arc. True, it's true. Yeah, it's, a it's an arc that I actually read there. too. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, I I I've been saying it. We've all been saying it since earlier on. Like there are too many super people. It's very very difficult to believe that there's any invasion or circumstance that could befall them that they can't overcome. One Superman is generally speaking enough. Like, yeah, yeah, you get the Justice League when Darkseid comes around. But really, like, if we really had to, Superman's f- enough. Like, he's fine dealing with Darkseid. You don't need Batman, right? So when you can have five Supermen, that's a little overkill. It's not the same as having other, like, Batman type of characters, like Nightwing or Robin or whomever. It's not They're the same. people. Yeah. Right. Uh, top lane actually brings up an interesting point. I can't imagine it's true, uh, but he says, I, I think he wants us to feel like the blue earthers. Too many Kryptonians. Get them out. Wow. That, oh. that could be an interesting thought. We need well, to build a, crypto, uh, a kryptonite wall. <laughs> <laughs> we I, can only take the good people. <laughs> I had the thought earlier about you know the amount of kryptonians we had and i'm i I wanted to run this by you guys do you think pkj is doing this more to show superman as a an actual mentor more than you know his normal firefighter stuff like instead of instead of just showing Superman beating the crap out of stuff, we're actually getting to see the heart of Superman, like him being the splinter to all these other Ninja Turtle yeah. Supermen. Yeah, I have a I have a conspiracy theory. You guys know how I am. I think that because the five G future of Superman was to become old and not be Superman anymore and eventually die they were going to prepare the other characters in Superman's life to rise up 
And even though 5G is not happening anymore, there's an aspect of that that's carrying over, just like Lazarus Planet was initially supposed to be a 5G event, just like Night Terrors was initially supposed to be a 5G event. All these things we've seen, Batman and, and uh, Batman versus Robin, I think even down to Superman's action comics, all of this stuff was supposed to happen. Um, and that's why we're inundated with super characters. That's just my conspiracy theory. Uh, would make sense. I'd love to know how that would work. Like, what would they have to dictate to Phil Kennedy Johnson for that to work that way? You know what I mean? I've um, yeah. I've kind I've kind of been feeling that it's it has been getting a lot. Like, I um, this doesn't feel like this should be the uh, you know, team book, um, or. Like, like th this wouldn't be the one where you have the fam. This should be like the solo Superman, um, and that's not to say that the book isn't, you know, it's not, it's great. Um, but I've, I kind of want less. Just want, I don't know. It, it feels like it's been. Um, they haven't necessarily even hampered the story. Uh, I just want to read a single book about a single character. I mean, this is like Nightwing. That's it. Just Nightwing. That's all he's doing. Although when they're all out of their super costumes, I get very confused. <laughs> yeah. I'm always confused. I, I'm perpetually confused, actually. <laughs> as a as a newcomer, really, to Superman books, and all these characters are like with few exceptions newer to me, I often can't tell you this one from that one, unfortunately. And that's my weakness as a reader, but also it's too many people in the same costume. Yeah. Um Let's let's shift gears. There are the backups. I'm gonna admit right away, I did not read them. I can't do it. I decided this is part six of the Dan Jurgens Lee Week story. Um, I I stopped reading two parts in. I think I can't do it. I don't. Care. I only read the first one. Yeah, uh, and it sucks because I love Lee Weeks. I just don't have any. Yeah, urge to read it. Yeah, I'm that creative team's fire. Yeah, that that one is good. Yeah, I can't believe we're still here. No yeah. word, yeah. Uh, and it pushes on very normal Superman beats, which I guess is good. Uh, yeah. Helped on by the you know the cool return of Superman costume and um, the Lee Weeks art. This desperately needs to be a three ninety nine, twenty page Superman only book. I don't want to pay the extra dollar for these two stories that I'm just not even reading. Like it's a literally a waste of money. By the time the main story was done, I felt kind of gypped. I'm like, wait a moment. There's a lot of story. There's a lot of pages left in here. What's going on? I've forgotten about bone. the backups. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Um, the steel one didn't get any better. No, I don't know why yeah, steel has yeah. a backup when he has a book already. Like, well, this one is supposed to lead into the book that's already out. <laughs> I still, yeah, Kale's completely right, but I still agree. How do you not tie that up and then launch the new book? Why right. are we still reading about this? It's ridiculous. Um, well, go ahead. And uh, sorry, don't forget that Mr. Terrific and Steel are also doing whatever um, uh, uh, code switching they're doing. Right. S still, by the way. Right. Um, I think the Action Comics main story is still great. I'm still on the hook for it. I really enjoy it. 
hopefully we're about to see the going away of the super people and the focus be on Superman. Well, but when you've got a book where you get a moment like the one we got where the characters are standing around and, and they say, you know, they're talking about Metallo and Superman says, you know, he's going to surprise us. That was that was like wow. I pay I pay four ninety nine just to read that panel. I I thought that was the that's the essence of Superman. This this dumb this lovable dumb idiot still believes after fifty thousand. This these characters have turned on him more than the Big Show, and Superman is still saying, "Wait for the surprise." The only surprise is that you still believe Superman, but that's why we love you. This is an easy pull. Good comment. We need to get Superman versus Metallo in a stairs match. <laughs> and Sean, you pulled this book because it has Metallo and a Matrix-like cover. Like we know, we know, I know why you picked it. I, I didn't. It, this was the listener pick. What do you want me to tell you? No, was it? Oh no, it wasn't. Yeah, he picked this. <laughs> <laughs> this was this was a Sean Bartley decree. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah, never mind. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I guess you're right, Tyler. The Matrix. It, I get it. Let's talk about World Tree. This is issue three by James Tinian. This is actually written by James Tinian, the fourth. Mm. No funny stuff. Tiny, Tynan. Sorry. I, I know I say it wrong. Is it really? Um, Tynan? I think, yeah, I believe so. It's not Tinian. Oops. I believe, I believe it's Tynan. Because or... it's like supposed to be like a tiny onion. Tinian, right? That's why he yeah. needed the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I never put those pieces together. I'm big oh. dumb. Uh, with art by Fernando Blanco, colors by Jordi Belair, letters by Aditya Bidikar once again. Um, and so we have been fairly, you know, into this book. I think I'm probably the most into World Tree to this point. And I think this issue is the best yet for me. I really, really, really like this comic. This one, this one really, I it really cleared up some of the problems i was having telling people apart and i wonder if it's because it made me do a little bit of work to do it myself um in the first panel they have i think it's gabriel yeah uh yeah the, the white-haired guy yeah this this section is about the white-haired guy but i don't remember any of these fucking names this book comes how often does this book come out once a month uh, once a month. You know how many books I read uh, in a month? Uh, one tw- other one. <laughs> 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, or 20 comics a month. So I'm supposed to remember it's the white-haired guy with a name like Gabriel. But they have, you know, uh, somebody else in front of his name. or And so I went, okay, cool. This is Gabriel. Got it. Same. And it wasn't. And then I went... Done. Co- connection made, and then stuff really started, you know, pinging and going, and it's like, okay, okay, I think I'm into this now. Yeah, I had the same reaction. I'm like, oh, stuff is moving now. Like we're, but the the pieces are coming together. I'm starting to see a better. Like I'm actually starting to see a picture. This is interesting. This is cool. Wait, what is next? Yeah, it did the opposite for me. I thought it overexplained things, and it was getting a little too. Uh, wibbly wobbly in terms of the exposition. You know, there's a, a there's a panel I pulled up here. It says, uh, but effectively, she's been possessed by a malevolent force from the evil internet that lives beneath the internet. I'm like, all right, okay. 
the undernet. It's in the name. It it feels like uh, hackers, you know, like where they just start, you know, like zoom and hands. I, I I half expected somebody to say this in them. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it I shows think... a panel where he's hacking into the door. I thought he was controlling the car from the door. <laughs> I was like, well, okay, this is kind of cool. For me, I almost enjoyed it more when I didn't know what was going on. You know. I understand what you mean, Tyler. It gets very like it gets not elite speaky, but like nineties when but in the nineties when writers weren't quite sure exactly how yeah. to write about the internet in a way that would convey what it is to others. It's, and they were trying to say yeah. like edgy cool shit. And it's like uh now when you look it back, it's like wow, this is super cringy. It's um, like a critical role uh ad read. Uh if Kale yeah. gets that reference, yeah. Like in Buffy, they used to say they were jacked in. Like, yeah. uh, like you're jacked in. What the hell does that mean, so right? Mega Man. More like jacked off. <laughs> the information superhighway. That that's yeah. in um. Uh, oh my god, what is that book with Ada? Uh, Dark Knight Strikes Again. There's that moment where he's like, "I was riding the atoms on the information superhighway, or whatever the fuck." Like, oh. But I get that. I yeah, I love that because that's yeah. just Frank Miller doing his best. Yeah, yeah. Dude, <laughs> it's in, not in like what uh, year? Yeah, yeah. it's not like Tim Drake in the early 90s going around being like, I've got total hackitude. (laughs) That's rough. Yikes. That's a a real panel and term, by the way. But but isn't isn't issue three a late start for a book to get hot like this? Maybe, maybe. But I think the fact that we're three issues in and we're saying, okay, I know Gabriel is right. I know who Ellison is. I know who Fear is. When you now you can recognize distinctly who's who. Think about the the contrast between that and Nice House on the Lake. We were twelve issues in, and we didn't know who was who. That's like, true. Yeah. So I firmly believe that Tinian learned from the mistakes of that book, and is now fixing them here. Because I know who's who, I'm actually invested in what they do. And I care about the consequences. When I just hate that I can't put the fear pages up on on this. Yeah, um, you cannot do that. But, can't do that. Uh, no page she's in. There's that that page where she like kills the dude in the, uh, the car in the mirror. Car. It's brutal. It's brutal. Mm-hmm. I mean, part of me is like, man, I wish that was me. But then like it's still like really rough and it's it's violent and like that's the kind of stuff I enjoyed in this book. You know, like um, the other ish- the previous two issues that were a lot more gory, I guess, uh, than this one. Because this one had a lot more weight to hold up, I guess. So. Well, I also think we see the actual uh, ramifications of what is happening. Right. Like, things are moving. This group that reassembled, these same kids that, that discovered the Undernet, they've reassembled to stop this from, from unleashing on the world. And so now that we're seeing them actually moving and doing things, the book is interesting. And we have our antagonist. Fear, what fear represents is this is the an unstoppable T-1000, right? And everyone can become her. She's walking death. Everyone can become her if they see what's on the internet and they survive that experience. That's what's at play. That's the risk with Ellison's girlfriend. That's what's at stake. She becomes another naked 
blonde woman or a gray-haired murderer woman. Kale, maybe you have the reference point for this. But this does this feel a bit like uh, the second half of Stephen King's It? Where, like, they're older, they know about this evil, and they're kind of coming back to, to stop it in a way. I could see that. And I know... I could see that, yeah. Tinian. Tinian? Tinian? Um, is a K- Stephen King guy, from what I remember. Um, so I wonder if that's an influence here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, think, I think you're right, Tyler. It's no clowns, though, so thank God. But That could be the next book. Mm-hmm. He might do something with clowns. Fear um, herself might be a clown. Right. Ooh, don't like itself? that. What? Oh, don't like that, Marco. Don't bring fear... that one up. <laughs> Never mind. I'm not going to go any further with that. Um, I also really, really enjoyed the art. Um, sure. We didn't just get nine panel grids. We got 12 panel grids. I have one of them on the screen right yeah. now. Dri- driving me nuts. Oh, you know, a poor artist. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, just, um, yeah. it felt like a lot of work. Every scene that's silk, every silk scene, I feel like just from a visual standpoint, she just chews it up. A redhead with an eye patch. Like, what What more? I literally don't Simple need man. anything more. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm good with that. A this redhead one. with an eye patch. How did she get her eye patch? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we'll never find out. Don't, don't matter. She got like don't a matter. Mortal Kombat Kano thing going on under there. Yeah. What's under it? I don't know. Maybe a portal to hell. Drag me in. It's the under eye. Yeah. It's, it's the eye below the eye. <laughs> the under eye. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, I, I would say everybody on this creative team firing on all cylinders. It's still creepy whenever we see characters, like, digitize out, like, when they, when they like, wig out in that way. Um, that still works because they use it sparingly enough. And I'm dreading the comic book where everything looks like that. Like once everything unravels and like that's just what it is. So is I Blanco. dread that yeah. that issue. Pull. Yeah, pull because it's getting better. It's still a pull for me. Yeah. You're on the fence. I'm a little on the fence. A little on the fence. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that's it for the reviews. But we are certainly not done because uh, some of us have been reading other comics this week and we're going to talk about it. So, uh, Tyler, what you reading? Uh, I actually read Batman Brave and the Bold number two. The Oh, you did? The, I read the main story. Okay. And I got to say, what Tom King and Mitch Jarrett are doing, they might be making the scariest Joker story I've read in years. Um, it's horrifying. There's some panels in this that are just crazy violent and the look that that um jared gives the joker in his eyes almost he gives him like shark eyes in a way every dialogue the joker has are in these like silent film era things and they're they're only jokes the entire book the joker's dialogue is just jokes it starts off on it starts off with like long-winded jokes and then it gets shorter and shorter until they're one-liners at the end um, and it really kind of heightens the pace of the story and it makes it like scarier, even though I'm reading pretty decent jokes, actually. Um, I I loved it. I love what they're doing here. And, it, and it's just weird that they're doing some crazy good work in, in a Brave and the Bold anthology book in a way. You know what I mean? Like it feels like a not A-level title 
to right. be having this A-level team, if that makes sense. I think that's what's that they, you know, that's sure. the yeah. that's what's selling the book. Sure. No, yeah. And Batman in the title definitely helps. Uh, I'm going to read the uh, the following uh, stories uh, later today, did, probably. So. Did you uh, did, did you also buy like I bought everything that was on the the listener pick poll, which you can vote on Twitter. Every I did Friday. not buy everything on the listener pick poll. You didn't buy everything. No. 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 What did you not get? What what else was on the listener poll? Uh, well, we had uh, we had that. We had um, holy shit! I can't even remember. I guess I blanked it out of my mind. I, yeah, just, I don't remember. I he bought it. Uh, City Boy I was got, on there. Like I'm not I, reading City Boy. You didn't read. Oh, you didn't Boy. buy City Boy. I never City read Boy. City. I never read an issue of City Boy. Don't what? Get you out. Am I missing out? Yes. Yeah. You didn't buy. Okay, so it was just it was Brave and the Bold, City Boy, World Tree, which one? Or there were there was a tie, but whatever. And seasons have teeth. Yes. So oh yeah, I'm not you... reading City Boy or seasons have teeth. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. Fair I enough. only read superhero books of known characters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's our. That's the rap on us, right? Yeah. Um, Marco, you're doing a little research for Saturday here. Uh, Clementine, yeah. book one. I'm uh, I'm doing I'm doing rereads. I'm reading some of her new stuff that I haven't gotten a chance to do. I have the end of summer right over there on my table. Um, but uh, Clementine has been on the docket for a while, so I'm glad that we have a reason to to finally crack it open. Um, Tyler has it up on on screen as well. Uh, his his copy, and um, I've been yeah, been having a lot of fun. She does some really cool things. Um. Uh, Tyler, did you put up the picture, or is it just the cover? I got the panel for you that you wanted, the page. Yeah, um, and one of the things that she does, and I really like, gets showcased here, and we'll talk about on the show because mm-hmm. I have a few questions mm-hmm. on it. Is um, she is able to do this thing with time, where the way she represents it passing is usually within the same page. A lot of the time, you know, it's in the, between the gutter, and you can kind of fill in the space, and usually around a, pa- a page turn, but she'll added in kind of wherever and it's that bottom section where it's just the candles full see a night sky candles done we know time has passed very simple very effective good economic use of page and it continues to just um it it works within the 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 pacing for the story and so um she has a number of these i have a few more pages that uh, i've taken out that hopefully we'll have up on the show to chat through i won't do it um all right well guess not but Questions nonetheless, because uh, I do really, really like the way that she thinks about comics and uses the page. Uh, Marco, two questions. Uh, have you read The Walking Dead? No. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Have yeah, you? Yeah. So, so I, that I, probably answers my following question: Was have you played the game, which Clementine is from? Okay. Nope. And uh, I was. I'd ask uh, Reddit. Cause I've been posting some stuff to try to get some buzz, but Reddit. I'm like, hey, do I need to read The Walking Dead or whatever? Everyone was recommending reading, uh, playing the game first or over yeah. reading The Walking Dead because that'll be more relevant to the book. The game is phenomenal. It's one of the, um, oh, shit. Telltales? The, telltale games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Okay. It was Probably the game best of the one, year. It, it was a game of the year, you know, contender, certainly. That, it, that game made me have to stop playing twice. And I'm like, I, I'm good. I'm, I had to put this down for a second. Um, the only games who've done that are like Last of Us, so it, it's kind of in that vein. But it's a lot like the cho- the choices you make are relevant. So um, yeah, I, I'm 
still debating jumping on that game before the interview. I don't know if I'll have the time, but Sean, uh, you could knock it out in a day. Easy. I don't know if I have it. I don't I literally don't have a day. Um, but yeah, I, I, I wanna see it because well, you know, we'll do the interview, but like uh I'm very compelled by the yeah. by the character, certainly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we have some polls we want to pick next week. All right. Yeah. So Sean, you wanna check out Scott Snyder and Tula Tula ah, Tula Lote's Barnstormers, A Ballad of Love and Murder, number one. Yeah, yeah. So these are this is an interesting book because if I remember correctly, Tula Lote also got scooped up by Distillery. So yep. this <laughs> is a Distillery creative team working on a book for uh, Dark Horse. So um, well, and and it is it, well Comicsology, right? It is a it was a Comicsology first. Scott I didn't Tober read book. it that way. Yeah. Um, and now it's coming out physically via Dark Horse. So I think that's interesting. I have not seen Tula Lote's work before, interior-wise. Um, but I have seen other things. So I'm really, really excited to see what that looks like. This is the first time I can think of where I've ever seen Scott Snyder not be the first credited creator on a book. Obviously, you know, there's some level of that that's like, hey, I'll give this to you because, you know, I'm a guy and you're not. But um, I still feel like that is a representation of how much she is the star of this. Yeah. And so I'm looking forward to that. Tula is a draw for me outside of, like, more of a draw, honestly, than Snyder. Snyder does a lot of stuff. Uh, Lote doesn't. So. Right. Yeah. Uh, and you also wanted to check out uh, number two of Sins of the Salton Sea from AWA. Well, I thought the first one was fantastic. We all uh, reviewed it pretty well, and uh, I, I'm very compelled to see what happens next. It's it's scratching the uh, crime itch because I can't think of another crime book that I'm reading right now as far as, like, a, a monthly book. Um, and so it's giving me that. Ed Brisson is great at that kind of thing. And uh, it also has an interesting twist. So two issues deep, not a lot to catch up with. I'm sure you can find the first one at your LCS. Buy this comic. It's got that Brubaker feel to it. That, that edge. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I I have it, but I haven't picked. I haven't gotten a chance to sit down and read it. I've been excited for this one. Read it. And, Dude, uh, AWA Mar- crushes. Yeah. They do. Marco, you wanted to check out Weird Work number one by Jordan Thomas and one of my favorite uh, names in comics, Shaky Kane. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, this looks goofy. Uh, Tyler has the the cover up. The art is just very distinct um i like these really thick um inked outlines uh simple colors flat backgrounds um this is my sort of jam it's a it's a mini series hard-boiled noir of la confidential mixes with bright aliens um like a futurama in crime i'm there cool the it it kind of the art feels like Mike Allred meets like Hernandez from Love and Rockets in a weird yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good. Uh, yeah, it's a really good shout. Yeah, that the cover is definitely enough to to make me think. Okay, yeah, maybe I'll check this check this out. So, uh, yeah. you also wanted to check out a number another image number one, uh, Swan Songs by W. Maxwell Prince and Martin Simmons. Maxwell Prince has been doing these anthology series. Ha yeah. ha. Um, Oh my god, I'm blanking. The other Ice one. cream man, Ice cream man. And, and, uh, haha, yeah, yeah. And so the fact that I've been enjoying pretty much all of that, uh, I think he does really good work. And tied with this visual, just epic, 
of Martin Simmons. I don't think I've seen Simmons on art, but there was a uh, some preview art uh, in the issue of we literally just talked about it of World Tree that that was yes. there, and I, I thought that was uh, incredible. So this does, just solidified me yeah. on that pick. He does art for Department of H, uh, Department of Truth. Sorry. Um, oh. Yeah, with with Tinians. Um, and I read the solicits for this said that it is an anthology with different artists for each story that is telling the end of something. It's about the ends, um, which is a weird premise. Uh, uh, Maxwell Prince has this like weird niche that he's he kind of you know cutting and cutting out for himself that I'm really enjoying. It's very specific <laughs> stuff. Um, and I love Martin Simmons art. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty hyped for this too. Easy buy. Same. Yeah. Uh, I <laughs> wanted to check out Sinister Four number one. This is one of those uh, before the fall X Men books one shots. Tinian's writing more Mister Sinister guys. Come on, Tinian. I'm oh, sorry, sorry, Gillen, Gillen, other one. Yeah, I, I got wish. Tinian. Yeah, I wish it was Tinian. I mean, no, Gillen's fine, but like that'd be interesting. Anyway, go on. Um. Yeah, we'll see what happens here. I kind of picked this out on, on a lark, but I won't. <laughs> Uh, I also wanted to check out. Uh, so I was confused. My so League of Comic Geeks said this comes out next week, but somebody in the Discord said they read it already. Um, Night Terror is the Joker number one. Which right. the Joker working uh, sales or IT? I can't tell. Yeah, um, is that not out this? That's out. That was out this week. I I was mis I misunderstood then because when I, I when I looked it. I yeah I didn't see it either. Um, oh, really? Because so. I think I had that on my I don't remember whatever. Yeah, I had some some because I because I, I thought Night Terrors doesn't officially launch until next week too. That's what I thought. Um, so I was a little confused as to how somebody read that in Discord. But hey, people read World Tree before us too, so things are a little a little fucky right now. Um, I don't know. It's a it's a goofy cover. It might be a good little one shot that I might want to check out. And it's uh, Matthew Rosenberg, so probably pretty decent. And Kale, you had two trades you want to check out next week with uh, All Against All. Yeah, we had uh, Pat Nadell uh, on the show, and we had a really great. Uh, conversation with him. Um, I really, uh, he was really influential in my uh, writing career, and uh, I'm still really interested in this premise. Reverse alien, the film, uh, where the human is the alien, but I felt that the the first issue really suffers that image hmm. problem where it doesn't do the work to hook you to bring you to issue two but image image trades do that so I, i've been really looking forward to waiting out the trade for this and i really wanted to see where it goes and then you also want to check out uh crashing this is uh matthew klein morgan beam triana farrell and uh hudson osami El El how that uh yes. this is good uh, I've I've read the first few issues. This is good. Oh, tremendous! This is a uh, it's a medical drama, uh, in an emergency room, filled with the casualties of a superhuman war. Hmm. Uh, that sounds cool as hell. Yeah, so, Morgan Beam is amazing on art. Looks cool. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's what we're, uh, we want to read next week. So. Yeah, we're so we're we're a group of pals, and that's what we're pulling. Let us know what you're pulling. Yeah, what's wrong with that? Uh, let us let know. us know what you're pulling, people. 
Yeah, what books are you pulling? There we go. What okay. what comic books gotcha, gotcha. are you pulling next week? What are you looking forward to? What did your pulls look like this week? You can share pictures with us of your pull list if you would like on our Discord server where most people choose to do that, but you can do that on Twitter as well, social media. Uh, we love to see what you guys are, uh, are, are pulling. Um, we have a big interview coming out this Saturday. Uh, it is, of course, live. We will be live with Tilly Walden this Saturday at 10, 15 a.m. Eastern. Another Skybound joint from us. We're very excited for it. So come show support. Um, it should be a good conversation. Another great way to support is, of course, patreon.com slash thecomicspals, where we're always giving you some bang for your buck. If you would like to support us, we've got a whole host of great content over there for you guys, including our exclusive show, Palling Around. You get to vote in the book club poll. You get to read Kale's uh, newsletter. Or is your newsletter written this week, or is it a video? It's or written. Uh, it was written. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. written. Yep. Yeah. So you get to read Kale's lovely newsletter and uh, a lot of other stuff. So check it out. We've got good stuff up there. Thank you for those that do and those that support you want to watch this show live that is every single thursday at 6 p.m eastern if you want to vote in the poll just like everybody did that gave us uh world tree this week world tree number three um you can do that every friday the polls up every friday last until wednesday and uh vote for your favorite book and we'll review it here live on the show join our discord server don't miss tokyo ghost book club this coming tuesday july 4th other than that, of course, we are the Comics Pals signing off. We'll see you Saturday. Take care, guys. See you next week.